Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm excited to be back, and we're doing something today that we often do in the middle of the summer, and uh, we take a little bit of turn in what we approach on the weekends. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at some of the questions they have, we have behind our, our faith, or maybe the faith we haven't grabbed hold of uh, yet. Usually what we focus on is God's truth and then how we can just live that out. And we're going to do that a bit today, but I'm going to focus a little bit more on some of the, uh, the questions that we have and what that means for us moving forward. My goal is to equip you to live a, a life that honors God, to come deeper in relationship with God, and to impact our world. But that doesn't happen unless we look at some of the big questions. And so that's the reason uh, for this ser uh, series, Questionable. And uh, we're going to look uh, at some questions that you have as well. So on your connection card, uh, at the end of the service when we receive our offering, if you want to write some of those, the very last week I'm going to just take uh, a bunch of them. You can probably uh, will allow you to text them in as well. Uh, and, and, you know, don't ask, some, some, remember your teacher said there's no such thing as a dumb question? She was wrong. No, yeah. uh, you know, we, we get the typical questions of, you know, how many uh, angels can dance on the pin of a needle? Uh, do cats go to heaven? Uh, and by the way, I have to really tell you, I've been wrong about that because I always thought cats went to hell. But the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but in the Bible, it says the lion will lay down with the lamb, which is a form of cat. So there will be cats in heaven, which has really caused me great questions in my own faith this last. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no more cat-hating uh, remarks. Well, I, I struggled with the topic for today. Not, uh, I, not that I haven't had it planned out. In fact, uh, we plan out pretty far in advance uh, because next week's topic is what is God going to do about what's wrong in the world? And with the events that happened in Louisiana, Minnesota, and Texas, and even beyond that, as we looked at uh, our greater world in Turkey and, and Bangladesh, and uh, we, we say, God, what are you going to do about this? But I determined that uh, we're going to go ahead and keep on schedule because I want you not only to come next week, I think this would be a great opportunity for you to bring a friend. Even if you're busy on Sunday, I really want you to be here next week because I think it's going to be a fundamental builder of faith as we look at something that's a little more complex and we find God in the middle of that. Today, I, I want to look at, at a statement that Jesus made. Jesus uh, made a statement we're going to look at a little later, John 14, 6. And it really has to do with the question that uh, many people ask, is Jesus the only way? But before we go there, uh, what I want to do is to wrestle with this inevitable question, 
uh, before that. And that gets to the identity of really who Jesus is. Here's what we read. Uh, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Now that is a question that every person is going to have to ask. Uh, You travel around the world. If you've had the opportunity to travel, uh, you would go to some areas of the world in uh, primary, uh, primarily Muslim communities. They would say he's a great prophet, not quite as good as Muhammad. He's a great prophet. Others uh, would say, you know, he, uh, I don't really know who he was or he was just a good teacher or, or whatever. We've based, if you're a follower of Christ, uh, our faith on this question and answering it, but more importantly, internalizing what it means. Uh, Peter answered, and this isn't in your outline, but it is in the Bible. He said, you're God's Messiah. And we hear that term and we think about it in in the spiritual realm. And that doesn't really bother us. But if someone says to someone today, they have a Messiah complex, that's not a compliment, is it? It's like, who do they think they are, isn't it? Do they think that they're the Savior? That they're God's answer? See, that's really what it gets down to when we talk about Jesus. And and I'm going to talk about some of the struggles we have about this along the way. In the older part of the Bible, we find this in the Old Testament and New Testament, there's all these statements. God says, have no other gods before me. We read in Isaiah 45, 21, and he says, and there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none but me. There's all, all these Uh, statements. And you would say, well, gosh, that sounds really narrow-minded. The interesting thing is, uh, in our culture today, which is not a lot different in some ways than the culture that Jesus came into, we have a hard time with very exclusive statements. We'll say, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, sort of all, all paths lead to God. You hear that a lot, or, you know, really, they're all pointing in the same direction. You'll hear that, but, but just be very clear. If you, met, if you met someone, and I'm talking someone who's not a Christian, if you met someone who is a committed Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, you name it, and you said uh, that there's really nothing different about your faith, do you know how radically offensive you would be to them? That would be ultimate disrespect of who they are and what they believe. Because they're saying, no, we, we believe there's a certain path to go on in life. Jesus, in in the midst of this, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is in a broader teaching. I'll get to this in a moment where he's talking about heaven. And uh, we, we can be troubled with this statement. We can be troubled because we're like, uh, you know, uh, What does that mean for me to believe that? And what does that mean for me uh, to live uh, that out? Let me uh, tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't doesn't mean that Christians themselves are right about everything and every issue. I hear people, well, this is the Christian position on gun control or the Christian position on, on who should be president. I don't think the Bible really talks about that at all. We have opinions 
uh, and your opinion may differ. You may feel strongly about that, and that's wonderful. Uh, but uh, it's okay to, to disagree on that. It doesn't mean that uh, we are the only ones who deserve to go to heaven. In fact, the Bible says in in the book of Romans, it says the wages of sin are death. It says that no one deserves to go to heaven. If God is just, then you should be separated from God for eternity. I'm going to just quit there. No, the, uh, <laughs> no that would be bad news, wouldn't it? Uh, it, it also uh, doesn't mean the Christian faith is exclusive. And here, I don't want to, I want to go deeper into it than I probably have time for, but I know if I preach too long, you won't come back next week. <laughs> so, uh, what I want, if you look at Christianity, you look at it, it's uh, the fulfillment of God's promise as he came to the Jewish people. You'll see how radically different it is. If you, if you have studied comparative religion, and you'll see that there's really nothing like it because of the nature in which God engaged the Jewish people. Uh, people would, sorry, if you made up a God, you'd say, this God is for us and we're better than those people, right? And that's really what you find in the religion uh, of the day. But we find early on in the book of Genesis that God says to the Jewish people, he said, hey, you know, there's nothing special about you except I decided to show you grace and I have blessed you so that you might be a blessing, and the entire purpose of God's blessing for the Jewish people was for them, for us, <laughs> to be a blessing to other people. In fact, you think about it, it's so radical what you read even about worship of God. The fact that when God gave the design for uh, the tabernacle, the temple, and all of that, that there was specifically a place for people who didn't believe. That, that's really interesting you think about it. God, that there's this large court of the Gentiles. Now, people could convert to Judaism, and they could uh, be in other parts of uh, the temple. But it was specifically designed for people who were on the outside of a different culture, different language, different race, different everything, different faith. And God said, I want to make sure there's room for you. So Christianity is, uh, we read throughout the scripture, he's come to every tribe, tongue, and nation. You even think about that. That's uh, different. You know, you find uh, uh, in uh, Islam, in fact, when they, uh, the local imam lives down the uh, street from me. Uh, we're like two-thirds of the way to a religious joke, I think. <laughs> and, uh, uh, in, uh, but, but in Islam, you, there is no truth except for as expressed in the Quran in Arabic only. It has to be in that language. Because otherwise, it's not truly the Quran. So this is a point of distinction. In fact, the first miracle we find in the book of Acts is what? It's a miracle of extending language, where people who are from different languages, they heard the word of God, so it was as a word of God, in their own language. So I say that as we hear this statement to just know how unique this is and how God seeks out people from every background, uh, every circumstances. But then Jesus comes into them that and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, how does that make sense? It seems so uh, inclusive that everyone be included. Well, 
this is a statement. I want you to think about this. It's, uh, it's a directional uh, statement. It really is. Uh, I was on uh, vacation. In fact, one of my weeks of vacation, I went to Maui. I, I was there in missionary work. The, you know, <laughs> yeah, my mission was to have a good time. That was, uh, <laughs> I'd never been to Maui. How many of you have been to Maui? Any of you? Wow, a lot of you. So you're, <laughs> uh, I'd never been to Maui before. It's a little expensive to get there. Uh, so, and I'm uh, frugal is how I like to describe myself. <laughs> my, my daughters and my wife might describe me as other cheap, maybe. Uh, and I said, hey, here's the good news. We're going to Hawaii. See, I'd found an airfare that was uh, about the same amount of money as if we flew down to San Diego. And I said, here's the good news. We're going to Hawaii. Only one catch. We have to fly out of Vancouver, Canada. Yeah, they had the same reaction. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I got this incredible deal, but I ha we have to fly out of Canada. And I said, it'll be fun. And it wasn't, but we, I told him it would be fun. Uh, so so we, we drove. And also, I'm, again, like I said, I'm a little on the frugal side. And I said, no, I know we got a lot of people who work for uh, T-Mobile who attend our campuses. And in T-Mobile, you get free data and phone coverage in Canada. But with my carrier, who I'm not going to mention AT&T, uh, you don't get that. And so you have to pay for that. And so when we got there, uh, we were driving up. I'd never been to the airport in Vancouver. And I'm thinking, how hard could it be to find the airport in Vancouver? Because I would not let anyone use data. <laughs> so I, I didn't. I mean, this is it. I know we got a lot of therapists here. Maybe you could free session. I don't know. But the, uh, I said, we don't want to use data. We're, we're going to endanger our financial future if we use data. So I literally made everyone turn off data. And I said, we'll just figure out how to get to the airport. Well, it did not go very well. My family uh, was not, and, and here's the worst part. My wife and I are exactly the same. We're both totally directionally challenged. We lose things all the time. We have a thing. If I have my keys up here, I have a tile there so I can find my keys every time I lose them. My wife, uh, when she was in college, uh, one of her first jobs, summer jobs, she was a postal worker. We call them now. We used to call them mailmen. And she was a mailman in the summer before GPS or anything that she tells the story how uh, she was delivering the mail but couldn't find out where to deliver the mail. It was 8 o'clock at night. She had not delivered all the mail. And so she literally was on the porch crying. And a little kid came out, like a kindergartner, first grader. And he looked at her and he ran back in and said, Mom, the male kid is crying on our porch. <laughs> uh, so here we are, two of the most directionally challenged people in the world. And finally, I had an epiphany turn on the data. And so I got that, I got a map, and uh, it was easy. We found exactly where we needed to go. And I was thankful for that. Uh, you know, if, if you pull over, and if I had pulled over and, and asked someone uh, and said, hey, uh, I'm lost, and they would have said, yep, you're lost. And they wouldn't tell me how to get to the airport. What would you think of that person? Say that, there's no love, no compassion. Really, why would a person be like that? If they knew the way 
for someone to go to get, to get really what they wanted and to where they could have stress and peace and joy? Why would someone withhold that information? So think about this. It's a truth statement for sure. But it's also a directional statement because there are different ways that people can try. Uh, the whole idea of there's many paths, it's just, like I said, if it, it, and I know we say that to be nice, but it, it's not, I mean, it's almost a little bit of a nonsensical statement. The question is, what is the way to get there, to get to God? What's the way where I can be forgiven, where I can have peace, where I can have direction for my life? This is not about being right. We say this here is that we, we don't want to make a point. People who go around making a point, that's just being a jerk. We want to make a difference. See, this gets, why Jesus is the only way can trouble us. It really, this gets to that. And I, these are a few things I thought. is one, we don't want to be a jerks. We've met people who are like, oh, let me tell you why I'm right. Let me tell you about the love of Jesus. You know? Like, wow. You know? We don't want to be like that. We met people like that. And maybe, honestly, my guess is in here that some of you met people like that and it was a pretty hurtful thing. And you felt demeaned and devalued, debased intellectually. And that's not what God wants. Remember, this is a God who had the plan. He said, I want you to... Be a blessing. I want to include you. But I also want you to know the way to go. And see, here, here's it too. Is we all, sometimes we have our own doubts. And in that, by the way, you'll always have doubts this side of heaven. If, if, if we're finite and God's infinite, just simply you do the math equation, the finite cannot hold the infinite, it just doesn't work. So there's, there, will, there will be some unanswered questions. Some are things that we just haven't learned yet. Some are uh, maybe we haven't experienced or seen. When we were in Hawaii, uh, we had our vacation uh, planned out. It was more of an activity-based vacation. We saw a huge school of dolphins. That was wonderful. We went swimming. We went snorkeling. We did the whole road to Hana thing. It was great. On the very last day, the girls were sleeping in, my, my daughters, and my wife and I decided to do some uh, stand-up paddleboarding. Uh, which is not a big deal. Uh, I had never uh, done that before. I had never done stand-up paddleboarding. So I thought, hey, why don't we do it for the first time out in the ocean on a windy day? That would be a great plan to learn. And uh, they offered uh, lessons. And I'm like, only chumps need lessons. I, can, I got this. I got this. So uh, my wife and I are out there. My wife's first. My wife's a great athlete. And so she's uh, out there, gets up on the, I mean, she's just like, you know, I'm thinking she's halfway to Kauai by the time I get in the water. And uh, so I get up and I'm actually, uh, I get up right away and I'm up there uh, for a couple minutes. It's good. I felt good about that. But that was sort of close to shore. And I got out a little bit. It's a little wavy and windy. I fell down. And then I, uh, we were out there and I tried to get back up again. And I, I did for a little bit, but I probably was never up for more than 30 seconds again. And I, I kept on telling my wife, but do you know the first time I went out, I was up. She didn't see it. And she's like, oh, honey, whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm like, no, really, it happened. And, but she didn't see it. 
And so she has some doubts in me. So you can tell her not to doubt her husband. <laughs> Maybe you have some doubts. And doubt, doubt, I think, is good when it's faith-seeking understanding. When it's an excuse not to believe, just call it that. Just, just be honest. Because I, I think being intellectually honest is important. There is a faith element. But, but God wants us to use our intellect uh, as well. There's great resources, too. The book called The Case for Christ uh, if you ever wonder about that, by, by the way, uh, I, I just want to say this. So some people say, well, I went on the internet and I read about some guy who read a book, who read the Bible and said he didn't believe it. Well, if you've ever done work, especially if you've been to graduate school or done doctoral work, I know the higher I went up in my education, the more they demanded you go to primary sources. Because otherwise, you're just sort of hearing what someone else said, you're not doing that deep learning. And so instead of reading what someone said about some books, what some other guy said, why not experience God for yourself and read the scriptures for yourself and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, I'm not going to believe what someone else just said. I'm going to see for myself. We also have friends who don't share our faith. I hope you do, by the way. I hope you have friends who uh, don't share your faith, but you're in dialogue and you love them. And, and, but it can be hard because we, we feel the statement where Jesus is so emphatic. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Sometimes we take it as a hammer instead of a way home, and it really is a way home. It's a true statement. And then also it uh, conflicts with our culture. Uh, our culture would say, Hey, you know, uh, and, and I get that the idea is, so we have peace, and I get the heart behind the, we all believe the same. Like I said, radically offensive a statement to every religion in the world. It, even the Baha'i faith, which says all faiths are the same, you know what their fundamental premise is? Everyone else is wrong. Yeah, see, that, the most inclusive one, their primary premise is, you're wrong, now let me tell you what's right. So I get it conflicts with our culture, and we don't want to be jerks. But oftentimes, we're just not sure what to do. What do we do with this statement? What do we do with the Jesus statement that I'm the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, the first thing we do is we look at it not uh, from a theoretical perspective or from 30,000 feet. We look at it inside and say, have I come to Jesus? Uh, we do, if you're new around here, we look a lot at, you know why there's evidences for faith. Last year I did a whole 35, actually probably 40 minute message on, you know, how we grapple with creation and all that. Like I said, you can engage intellectually, but at some point you're going to need to take that step of faith and say, I need a savior. When the Bible talks about sin, it's not, I mean, honestly, does anyone really believe there? People say, I don't believe in sin. Really? Look at our world. Look at around our country. Look at your heart. See, something tells me is that there's something wrong and that God would have a solution to that. And then that, that also means uh, that I let it shape my beliefs and my behavior. So why this matters, and I, again, like I said, this is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to focus a little bit more on our understanding. It matters because it means that truth is discernible. Uh, 
in the scripture, we, we see this. It says in 1 Peter 3, uh, 15. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone ask you to give the reason for the hope in you. He says, there's a reason for that hope. Be prepared uh, to give an answer. And it, it'll just come all, all sorts of occasions. Uh, when I pastored down in San Diego uh, years ago, when the Passion of the Christ movie came out, a local rabbi said he wanted to meet with me. And I said, sure, I'd love to meet with you. And uh, he said, you know, I'm sort of worried about this movie. I hope it doesn't stoke any uh, anti-Jewish sentiment. And I said, well, you definitely will not get that from Benjamin Samuel Sigmund. We are on the same team here, cousin. And so uh, uh, I said, in fact, if you looked at it, I started talking about the Bible. And I said, you know, uh, the, the Bible uh, says, the Apostle Paul says he wishes that all Israel would be saved. And then he got super nervous when I started talking about that. And he said, well, we're not a proselytizing people. I said, I am. So <laughs> no, no interest in proving someone wrong. It's funny, as I, I actually uh, did talk to him, you know, that's like all of us. He struggled and needed answers and hope. And I, I truly believe those are found in Jesus. Uh, if I uh, quit being a pastor tomorrow, the biggest thing about me is not being a pastor is about being a, a follower of Jesus. You're saying, would you ever quit being a pastor? Well, it depends how my lottery numbers turn out. No, just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> the truth is, is the wrong path is the wrong path. And this is where it gets a little more uh, confident. Well, how could you tell someone that they're on the wrong path? What is that? Is that cultural imperialism? Is that what... When I was, after I got out of college, I went to college at the University of Washington because that's the best school in the state. And then I uh, lived in Fremont. I don't talk about that much because I know when I say I lived in Fremont, you're making all sorts of judgments about me. Uh, but I lived in Fremont, Seattle on a big hill. And uh, there was one time a huge snow, probably one of the worst that's ever happened in the city. Things literally shut down for about five days in the whole city. Uh, it was snowing pretty heavily. And uh, I lived in apartments across where other apartments. And on this hill, uh, it was so bad and so icy that once a car went down, it would go down a hill and then to a, a flat place and down another hill. But once you went down that final part where I uh, was at, is that you would go down to the bottom and there was a car crash there. And other cars would see that hill and they would just go down and crash. So it was like just car crash, crash, crash. There were some uh, uh, guys across the street, and they had big signs. And the signs weren't watch out or anything. The signs is, and people were like confused because the signs had numbers on them, like 5, 8, and 10. They were rating how bad the crash would be at the body. What's wrong with you people laughing? Uh, no, they were, and they'd do that. And, and I thought it was funny because, of course, I was right out of college and all of that. But uh, you'd say, well, wouldn't it the compassionate thing to do? I mean, when you think about it, if I was going to talk to my 22, 23-year-old self and say, hey, this is going to, someone could have been hurt. This is going to cost them money, time, all of that. 
the compassionate thing to do would be say, don't go down that hill. What's gonna, is there's going to be a crash. It's not going to work out. I know you don't believe me because you can't see down the hill. But the thing you would want to do is to not do it. Say, how judgmental of you. I am making a judgment. But it's a judgment based on compassion. Because I know the direction that they're going isn't going to lead them to where they want to go. The Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Number three, heaven is a real place. I said this before, it's not uh, something your parents made up to make you feel better when grandma died. Jesus said this, even before, in the context of I am the way and the truth and the life, is he says this prior to, just a few verses. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I uh, would have I told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And, and now some people will say that, oh, many rooms. That means, you know, many paths. He didn't say that. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He just said there's room for you. I don't care uh, what your particular sin has been, what your uh, faith has been or not been, what background, what culture you come from. Remember, God, at the outset, said, I just want you to be clear. There's room for you. See, this matters because we need real hope. We need a hope for us in our times of doubt, also in our times of struggle. Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, you can have hope and rest in Jesus. The real Jesus, the Jesus who went to the cross and rose again, and that is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. The uh, Son of God, second person in the Trinity, the one who said, I will come again someday, and I will make everything you see wrong in the world, I will make it right. And in that, the Apostle Paul says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So what do I do with this? And like I said, I you know, haven't focused that much on application. I've been getting behind the question. A little different for us. First, 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, once I've received it, I've been given an assignment. Do you look around the world and see where reconciliation is needed? Where a peace beyond the passion of the moment is needed? Where there's an arbiter, not what you think or believe, what I think or believe or even experienced. Where the one who... It, it, so, so, so amazing. The one who gave his life for those who were wrong. When Jesus went to the cross, he was right. But even on the cross, he says, Father, don't hold this sin against them. And the craziest thing is, you know, as Jesus ascended into heaven, you know, the next guy in the door, I don't know what heaven looks like. In fact, the Bible usually tells us what heaven isn't, no more pain. 
no more, uh, no more fear. We just only get glimpses of what it's like. The next guy in the door was someone who was being crucified next to Jesus, who's a criminal, probably not just a criminal, probably actually murdered someone. But the only thing he ever did, probably right in his life, he probably disappointed it. My guess is most likely everyone in his life the whole way. He said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He said, I'm not looking at what, what life has been like up to this moment, but the life that God's created you for. Who can you pray for? And I'm not talking about getting up on a table at Amazon or Microsoft or T-Mobile and saying, by the way, sinners, turn or burn. If you say that, tell them you go to another church, please. <laughs> I'm talking about someone says, man, I'm hurting. Hey, would you mind? I don't want to, I don't want to impose it. Would you mind if I prayed for you? I mean, someone, hey, you want to come and, and check out uh, church if you're not, or whatever that is. Because the goal isn't to make a point. The goal is to make a difference. See, see how oftentimes we just get this wrong. G.K. Chesterton, who was a, uh, a very vehement non-Christian of the last century, he was a journalist, and, and he came to uh, believe in Christ and would often uh, talk to and even debate people with different beliefs. And some, uh, one uh, person who was a Christian sort of fed him the question and said, if you were alone on an uh, island and you had no other book, what book would you bring with you? People are thinking, oh, the Bible. He said, no, it would be the Thomas Guide to Practical Shipbuilding. <laughs> and it's like, I just want something that would tell me the way to get home. And Jesus, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and life, that's what he's saying. How you get home. And maybe for you, it's not about other people. It's about what God would even want to say to you today. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that, God, that truth and grace are not in juxtaposition with each other, but God, it's really a manifestation of who you are, that you're, you're so full of grace and love that you'll tell us the truth because you want us to, to go the way that works for our lives and for our eternity. God, I would pray for my friends who are even here today in the middle of the summer and in church, but are, are struggling with this and maybe have never come to that point of decision or faith. If that's you, and you feel like, hey, I want to do that, that want to in your heart, that's called faith building up inside of you. And God will take that faith, if you put it in him, and he will bring you to himself not only for this life, but for the next. But as a decision point, you got to tell God, hey, I want that. That's what I want for my life. And so I encourage you, if that's you, uh, and join me in a prayer. Everyone's eyes closed, head bowed, even up on stage. You would say something like this to God. God, I thank you that you bring clarity, that you bring light, that you include me. And God, that's what I want. I need forgiveness I thank you that you offer that through your son, Jesus. 
And I understand that the decision is beyond just receiving forgiveness, but it's allowing you to be the leader and Lord of my life. And so I choose to do that today in this moment. I'm not sure everything it'll mean from this point forward, but God, I trust you in this moment. And the scripture says when we put our trust in him, that in no way we will be ashamed. That he'll never leave us or give up on us. And that just as Jesus said in John 14, that, that yes, that heaven is a real place and he's gone to prepare a place for us. But he wants to be with you even now in this moment by the power of his Holy Spirit. But part of that is a next step saying, you know, I, I identify with him. The scripture says our faith is, yes, very personal, but never meant to be private. We're to go public. And here's how we do this at Timberlake. If you made that decision to say yes to Jesus, I want to give you a chance to go public, but in a way uh, that won't embarrass you or call you out. I wouldn't do that for the world. So with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, it, but if you say, Ben, I invited Jesus Christ into my life today. Would you just go public in this way? Uh, would you just simply uh, look up at me and let your eyes meet mine? I'm going to look to my right and your left. And if you say, I prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus, just look up as an indication of your faith. All right. Anyone else, son? All right. In, in the center sections, too. You say, in the balcony. You'd say, that's me. That's a decision I'm making today. That's great. Anyone else up there? Okay. That's great. And on my left, you say, that's me, too. All right, awesome. Way to go. God, I thank you for my friends who are taking this step of faith. I thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. And God, that, that you'll never leave us there because you love us enough to bring us right into your heart. I thank you for my friends who've, who've made that decision today, God. And I ask that you'd be with them and bless them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.